Danny Lavery here, and I have a special announcement for our listeners. Some of you know that I published my latest book in February. It's called Something That May Shock and Discredit You, and it's a transition memoir that's also about The Simpsons, Star Trek, and Anne of Green Gables. Today, I wanted to let you know that for a limited time only, you can get a really good deal on the audiobook, which is read by me. Go to slate.com slash Danny. That's slate.com slash Danny. There's also a link in the show notes of this episode. The audiobook will cost just $12.99. That's $5 off the list price. You will be hard-pressed to find a better deal on books I have written and read. After you complete your purchase, you'll be able to listen to the audiobook in your preferred podcast player. That's right, the one you're using now. There's no special app to download and no subscription fees. There's one more thing you should know. This audiobook sale is brought to you by Slate. That means your purchase not only supports me, it also helps the important journalism you depend on. So it's a win-win. You save money and Slate makes money. If you've ever thought about checking out my book, there's never been a better time than now. This is a limited time promotion, so don't just sit there. Go to slate.com slash Danny and buy my audiobook today. One more time, that's slate.com slash Danny. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Isaac Fellman, a writer and archivist at the GLBT Historical Society, where he gets to tell the story of San Francisco's queer history. His fantasy novel, The Breath of the Sun, won a 2019 Lambda Literary Award. And now here's our first letter. The subject of our next letter is Overbearing Sister. Dear Prudence, My fiancé and I moved in with my mother because she lost her job, found a much lower-paying one, and couldn't cover her mortgage alone. My sister and her two kids also live there. My mom pays all my sister's bills since she rarely gets child support. We figured we could both cut costs by moving in since rent has gone up in our area and also help out the family. I work outside the house. My fiancé does online commission work. Her office is upstairs, and it's supposed to be off-limits. My sister constantly badgers my fiancé to, quote, help out during the day, making lunch for her kids, or doing their laundry, acting like her work isn't real and that my fiancé is her nanny. We already had several family meetings about this. My sister would just cry, say she's stressed and that we're all ganging up on her. She'd stop for a while and then start up again. I've tried talking to her multiple times. My fiancé has stopped speaking to my sister and sent me a recording of my sister following her through the house yelling. She told me she couldn't deal with this anymore and that I needed to do something. I got home and dragged my sister outside. She started to protest, and I clapped my hands right in front of her face. I told her to sit down and shut up. She did. I told her we pay rent, and the only reason she and her kids aren't out in the streets right now is because of us. I clapped my hands with each word and told her she needs to stop, that she needs to pretend my fiancé is invisible, that she can't see or hear or speak to her, and that this was her last warning. I went back inside. My sister stayed out there for a while and then came back in subdued. Now she leaves the room if my fiancé or I come in. We've also started having separate dinners. My mother is upset with me over my argument with my sister. I told her we spent months trying to get along and that my fiancé and I were at the point of leaving. Did she want that? My mother didn't have anything to say to that. 
house is quiet now, but uncomfortable for everyone. I don't understand why. My fiance and I have helped out with other things like fixing the car and helping pay for the new roof. My sister would only pull this with my fiance and not me. I do love my family. I don't know what else to do. Help. Yeah. I feel like, do you remember not that long ago when it was very common to see tweets where someone had put the clapping hands emoji in between every word? That's what I was thinking when you were reading it. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow, what would it be like for that to happen in real life? And I thought, very weird. Yeah. Uh, I I will definitely start by saying that nobody here is acting well, including the letter writer. and um, Maybe maybe the fiancé? I think, yeah, you're right. The fiancé's fine. It, this this sounds very stressful for her. Yeah. Oh, God, I feel so bad for her. I, at the center of this web of familial angst that probably goes back many years before she came on the scene. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I can't sign off on clapping your hands in front of somebody's face, even as I acknowledge that the provocation was serious and ongoing. Um, and it's not as if the letter writer had completely just ignored the problem and then flipped out, you know. The letter writer says, we'd had multiple family meetings. Mm -hmm. I've talked to her a lot about this, Um, which is not to say that there's not something you could have done differently at those different stages, just that I understand the frustration. But yeah, as as you now know, you bought yourself a little bit of peace, but not much. Um, It doesn't feel very good. And it only worked a little bit better than the previous system, which is to say, you know, there's a reason that clapping your hands in front of people's face over and over isn't uh, a conflict resolution technique that, you know, people give seminars on like, this will get you everything you want in life. It's going to work out great. You're going to win friends and influence people if you just clap, clap, clap right in front of their nose. Do you have any advice here that's not move out? Because I don't. I have, I have none, Danny. It is going to be so hard. It's going to be hard for the family and the mother and the sister and the fiance and letter writer and I'm not, I, I understand how dire the, uh, the financial situation is that motivated this move in in the first place. But I just do not think that without every kind of distance, did I say I do or I do not? Without any kind of distance, this is not going to work out. Your, your family is going to end up estranged from each other. They are going to end up permanently angry. Right, right. If I, you know, if I thought there was a way that you could all stay living together and that this could be somehow manageable, I might recommend it. But I think if you stayed, eventually your fiance would leave you and she would kind of need to. Um, so that would, there, there would go the, we're both saving on rent thing. And I think you would eventually find it impossible to live with your sister after you felt that she had contributed to the breakup of your engagement. Um, so I think as much as I understand that your sister is probably under a lot of stress, not getting child support, um, she's not able to receive the kind of help you've offered. When you contribute towards the the bills and help out around the house for whatever reason, um, that's not doing anything. She doesn't feel like, wow, I'm being helped. She feels like I need more and I will not let go of somebody's ankle until they give it to me. Right. Um, and so I, I, I get that you don't want your mom to default on her mortgage And to that end, I would say, look for other ways you can help out with that financially. Like you say that you wanted to save on rent, but not that you were unable to afford rent on your own. So I think one possible move here would be you and your fiance start looking for someplace right now, make it clear with your mom and your sister so that they can plan in advance 
or maybe just your mom. It may be that you're not able to talk to your sister for a while um, and, and call with your mother or go with your mother, whatever way you can learn more about getting like a um, a forbearance plan, a hardship plan. A lot of places are um, putting additional protections in place because of COVID-19. And yeah. it doesn't sound like you've tried that yet. And that might, that might go a long way towards making her mortgage payments at the very least something she can defer, but you just, you, you're not going to be able to keep living there. So I think look for ways to cut down on her mortgage costs, um, consider whether or not you would be able to afford to send her a little bit of money every month. Even if you lived on your own, it wouldn't be nearly as much as you're giving her right now, but it would be something and that's better than nothing, but Mm -hmm. this is not working. It's not going to work. Um, if there's any chance that you and your sister will someday be able to rehabilitate your relationship, it's going to have to come after a lot of distance and a lot of time. Uh, You know, I just don't think staying there and trying to convince them either to suddenly start appreciating what you have done for them or to undo the months of totally eroded trust that has come from your sister following around your fiance and treating her like a fucking servant who's slacking off. I mean, that's awful and deeply sexist. I mean, I think the reason the letter writer said she only did this with my fiance and not me is because she's like, there's a woman in this house and she's not taking care of kids or cleaning the kitchen. That's a mistake. And that's vile. That's disgusting. And no matter how stressed out or under-resourced she is as a parent, that's really fucked up. It is. It it absolutely is. And and I just, um, some people will just get like that when they cannot reach the person who is actually harming them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is absolutely no excuse for being that way, especially given the, the gender angle, as you point out, it's, it's, you are a woman in the house. Excuse me. In the house, there is a woman. It's just, uh. yeah, she's just upstairs doing pretend work. You know, she's got a big like set of blocks and she arranges them over and over again. And someone pretends that that's work. And it's just like, it's not okay. And again, just like the, the strategy you have right now is like, my sister has to pretend my fiance doesn't exist. That's not livable. That's not working. It's not going to work. I cannot think of any way that you will be able to de-escalate all of this while still living together. And I don't want you to have to continue living here in part because the only thing so far that's gotten anything is like physical intimidation. And again, I, I want to make it really clear, clapping in, in front of somebody's face is not the same thing as striking them or pushing them down, but it's physical intimidation. And you can't, um, I, I don't encourage you to to keep that in your toolbox, as they say, of like conflict resolution strategies. You need to not do that again. You really need to not do that again. And I think maybe once you're out, as hard as it can be to apologize to someone who's also violated a ton of boundaries, it might help to start thinking about how could I meaningfully apologize to my sister for physically intimidating her without then saying, you did everything right and we should have done everything that you asked of us. Again, don't try to make that apology now. You're not ready for it. Neither is she. But Maybe later this year, but get out. You got to go. It's not going to work. I'm sorry. I, I wish I had a better answer, but that's all I have. And so I think we should move on yeah. to a letter where I think we can hopefully help somebody else a little bit more. It's your turn. All right. Um, subject, I'm so vain. Uh, dear Prudence, for the last, this is not a question by or about vanity. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> I I also felt like that subject line was being way too hard on herself. Yeah, yeah. For the past few years, I have been a trainer for foster parents. I love this job, travel often, and built meaningful relationships as a result, sometimes speaking in front of crowds and performing to get points across. 
Now that my job is all remote, I have to sit at a desk and it's not as much fun. The worst part is how teaching online has changed my feelings about my appearance. I see the bags under my eyes or how stupid I look when I make funny faces or how fat I look in a dress I used to love or how idiotic I look when doing something I used to not think twice about. I can turn the camera off and I do often, but it has to be on sometimes. I feel old, ugly, and fat. And while I used to think I was a great trainer, now I look at myself as some irrelevant know-it-all who doesn't know how stupid she looks. These daily observations about myself are making me feel terrible. I am not sure how to get through this. I have external reinforcements from my bosses and coworkers that I am good at my job. My husband tells me daily how attractive he finds me, but I can't stop my own critical eye from telling me differently. It has taken a job I loved into something I dread. Letter writer, I feel this so much. I literally, uh, so you, you can turn off self-view in Zoom, at least. I have done it during this meeting with Danny because I was <laughs> staring at the preview and thinking about how stupid I looked. So yeah. Yeah, I don't want to dismiss the very real feelings that are present here, but I really, really do want to encourage the letter writer to understand this as something that a lot of people feel and not just like you are so uniquely weird looking that you've noticed something objectively true about yourself. Um, I don't think anybody was meant to stare into a mirror recording their every moment like all day. You know what I mean? Like that's not how humans interact. It's just, it's not, it ain't right. No, it's not. It, it actually, when you put it that way, it sounds like a, like a weird subtle torture from like a 19th century novel about like a mild dystopia. Right. I remember a while back, I don't remember what it was, but there was some academic, I think actually book about uh, differences in like gestures, facial expressions, mannerisms, et cetera, before mirrors were very common and like how that might've changed the way that people thought about faces. And I thought that was really interesting. And then I forgot the title of the book and I didn't get it. Had I read it, I might have something more insightful to say here. But um, yeah, you've gone from like living in a world where you see yourself fairly regularly in the mirror, but only a couple of times throughout the day and maybe fairly often throughout your selfie mirror or photos that you take of other people or that other people take of you. And, and again, like uh, if you're looking for just some sort of sense of other people feel this too, the number of people who have made some sort of joke about I look so great on my selfie camera. And then when other people take a picture of me, I want to like jump a hundred feet high and scream into God's face. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a lot. People talk about this a lot. A lot of people feel a really jarring sense of, I thought I knew what I looked like. And then I saw myself from an unfamiliar angle and I hate the way that I look. It's alien to me. Someone's taken over my body. I'm a monster. I look really, really bad. And that's not to say like, only people who are really awful looking feel this way and they they just didn't realize it before. I mean, it's a common phenomenon and that a lot of people feel this way when they see themselves over and over more than they need to be. Again, not because like they're just so weird looking and they didn't know it before, but because your mind kind of goes nuts if you just stare at a recording of yourself all day. It, it does. It, it is. It is a, a machine for creating dysmorphia. Um. Yeah, I actually, I appreciate this letter because it reminded me, uh, it made me recognize something that I myself was doing and mm -hmm. how common it must be. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate you writing in about this. Mm -hmm. um, as, for, uh, as for advice, um, I have only corny advice. Um, in, in addition to turning off self-view, which is totally possible using the, um, 
you click on the three dots over the camera view of yourself and it'll let you do that. Um, I don't know how viable either of these things is, but I just thought if your husband is working from home too, can you work in the same office so that you can have like some amount of sensory feedback from somebody who is mm. like glancing at you as a three-dimensional human being who's fond of you? And the other one was uh, ring light. Yeah, ring lights are great. Yeah. If, if you can like, get really flattering writing, uh, lighting. I, I do the thing I, I do the thing where like every time I click into Zoom, it's like, do you want us to set up that filter where your skin looks a little better? And I'm sure it's like, fuck, yes, I do. Um, so any anything that feels good vein and not like self-punishing vein, I would say pursue. Pursue to the ends of the earth. Right. Like take um, the title of your letter completely literally. Yeah. Um, but I would also add it, it both is good, I think, that your bosses and coworkers are offering you positive reinforcement and that your husband says that he finds you attractive. I don't want to discount that. I also know that when you are in that mode of, no, I've learned the real truth about myself and that it's I'm it's that I'm repulsive. The things I used to thought were charming about me, I used to think were charming about me are in fact pitiful. Other people are laughing at me. I should have known all along that anyone who ever said anything good about me was just humoring me in the way that you humor the dying. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know. Now I know that maximal self-hatred and maximal self-loathing is the truest and most honest approach I can take towards myself. This is the new reality. When you're in that mode, it does not matter how much your husband says he likes the way that you look. And it doesn't matter what your boss says because you just feel like you don't you are lying to me and I cannot take this seriously. Or like, you're only saying that because you already care about me. Like your brain will find a way to discount it. Um, so, you know, what do you do when you're at that stage? I think a number of different things. One is, I think, just to flag this at work. And again, that doesn't mean you share, like, here's every awful thought I've had about myself. But but it might be time to to raise with your boss and colleagues. Like, I don't know if anyone else is feeling this way, but six months into an all Zoom profession, I'm noticing that I actually find it really challenging sometimes to stare at myself in a camera all day. Are there ever opportunities for us to switch to phone call sessions or email sessions, even 10% of the time? Um, Because I need to look for ways to not be staring at myself in a mirror seven hours a day. And it may be that right now there's not anything they can do immediately. But I, I, I think you can bring this up without a getting too personal or vulnerable, you can just say like, it's wearing. And I think other people will say, oh God, me too. Yeah. And if there's a way to do that, bringing it up will make that easier. I really am pretty confident you will not need to get into the weeds before people start saying, oh God, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, sitting at a desk, it's not as much fun. I get that. You you also like moving and engaging and interacting with people. Some of this is just responding to the fact that you used to be able to like be in rooms with other people and pick up on their energy as, as, as people say sometimes and absorb that excitement. And now you're just alone sitting and feeling like you're putting on a show for no one or for like simulacra. Mm-hmm. Of course that's wearing again, like you're just in a terrible circumstance. Like no wonder you feel bad. It makes sense. I would feel bad too. Um, which maybe is a little depressing to be like, of course you feel bad. You should, this sucks. Um, so much as just like a reminder of like, you are operating under bizarre circumstances that of course make you feel really thrown. And, you know, maybe it's time to consider talking to a therapist, not over Zoom. You don't need to add more Zoom to your life. If they can do over the phone, that would be great. Or if that just needs to wait until you can be with people in person, maybe writing stuff down or talking to other friends about their own self-esteem or just trying to remind yourself at various moments It's not that until I got on Zoom every day, 
I was just lying to myself or that everybody was humoring me. I really impressed my boss. I really got this job. The relationships that I formed with my colleagues and with my clients were not fake. I don't live in a world where everyone was lying to me. I live in a world where, for the most part, people are generally honest about who they want to spend time with, who they want to hire, uh, and and who they want to to coach them through something. And so you can remind yourself of that in those moments where you feel inclined to say, like, no, it was all face. I'm staring into the truth, and the truth has bags under its eyes. Um, most people aren't very invested, actually, in lying to make other people feel better about themselves. Um, that is an incredibly common feeling that I don't wish to patronize because I feel it all day, all the time. But it would it would be weird if yeah. that was the world we lived in. And, you know, I, I'm trying to just come at this from multiple angles, like a practical one about like getting the ring light, as you said, or talking to your boss about cutting down on some Zoom, as well as the sort of like internal spiritual work of taking care of yourself without saying it's your job to love yourself. Just feel positive all day, which is frustrating and impossible. Um, and, and then also just acknowledging that you're you're in a crisis right now. Yeah. It makes sense that you're not not feeling great. But, you know. Again, try to remind yourself, like, you don't say anything about, like, now that I'm on camera with everybody, I'm noticing all my colleagues have bags under their eyes. Or I'm noticing that whenever they make a joke, their faces look stupid. And so, again, the question there is, like, okay, either you are uniquely repulsive and everyone in your life was lying to you until March of 2019 or 2020. I don't know what year it is. Or you are hyper fixated on your own perceived shortcomings and because you have nothing else to stare at all day, you're looking for something to tear down like a rat trapped in a cage, scratching and scratching. And I, I just like to add that by, by making tiny practical suggestions, I certainly don't mean to, they, it's possible for that to feel a little bit like, have you tried exercising to a depressed person? You know, um, I, I just believe in very small changes that make everything 10% better and therefore yeah. makes it easier to do more heavy psychological work. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and then beyond that, I would say that the thing that's been the most helpful to me in my life when it comes to getting anywhere near even just some moments of genuine confidence or genuine like self-regard is to, you know, if I look at myself and I think something like deeply cruel or deeply angry to not try to think away the size of my body or my fatness, um, and to just try to sit peacefully and neutrally with like, I'm fat. I see the shape of my body. It's not a secret. What other feelings might come up? How might I think about myself in a way that is loving that does not depend on, I'm about to lose 35 pounds. No one knows it yet. That's going to happen in five seconds and then I'll be good. And that can feel really daunting, especially if you're like, no, 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 the whole like fragile ecosystem that I've built in this ego here is dependent upon promising myself that I'm about to lose the weight that I know is keeping me from being attractive. And that's a really hard way to, to try to balance things because then you're just all the, the best you can ever come up with is like, I'm about to become acceptable. And so I would just say, try to think about fatness with kindness for two minutes a day. And if you can't work on it in yourself, think about somebody else. Not the same person. Don't tell them. I don't want you to like fixate on the size of a, one other person's body and like turn them into your thing. But I mean, in ways that feel general, broad, distant, safe, appropriate, that don't involve staring at somebody like one of your coworkers and being like, you are my fat model today. Um, but it, I think that can be useful because again, like I've had a lot of moments where I could stop and at least say to myself, like, did you have this response to somebody else's body? And I can honestly say like, 
No, I like their size. I like the way that the their their body moves and is in action. And and I I don't feel the same like rage and self-loathing that I feel towards my own fatness. And sometimes I can very slowly like drag that over. It's like, so by the transitive property, what do we have? I talk to myself like a sixth grader and then we move on. By the transitive property. Um, <laughs> that sounds like something that like two transgender wonder twins would do. Like by the transitive property and then like put their rings in the air and and switch. I, I love I love that so much, this entire scenario. Um, <sighs> yes. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 